Wow, so all Man. of our dirty Discord notes. Every single note on Discord has been shown live oh. for a good whole two seconds. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Divine and Conqueror's Reroll Podcast, where we yeah. talk about things and stuff. Uh, tonight's conversation is going to be, as I scroll up to make sure I read this correctly, uh, running contact, fiction and fantasy. Uh, we'll be discussing a whole bunch of stuff. That uh, we have two authors here. Um, Unpublished, uh, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think yeah, Vic, you're the only one who has published work. True. I mean, you could rub that in. <laughs> True. I I think that's a good. Yeah, thing. technically, technically, I I am published uh, online. Uh, I I did not go through the the typical means of going through publishing houses and editors and etc. So I I am self published. Yes. But. That's amazing. I don't have anything published. I've been I've been yet. playing yet. I guess I've been playing this, this, these heckin' games for uh, for the thing a, a I got while. Is credited. The only thing I got is credited, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. If it wasn't for you, Dicky, there will be several books on shelves that do not exist. Mm hmm. So that's amazing. That's 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 that's, way of it. that's super. That's a lot of props. Like that's that that makes me proud. That's that's super cool. Um, so, uh, as I'm opening chat here, because, as always, we're the most prepared stream in the world. Absolutely, um, we are so prepared. We, we have not encountered audio issues, so, therefore, today, <laughs> this is... I can take, I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, oh, I love our group, I really do. Um, so, um, as per usual, we're going to do a little bit of recap of what's been happening in the CASA couple of weeks here um, on DNC and um, as we're getting questions from audiences etc and then we'll, we'll we'll jump into that topic um, so we we have a couple of games for our uh, the simplest one for our Theros game people found these golden masks they're finding that there's false prophets to a lot of the gods and they're gonna go try to uh, see what, what they can do about that it's pretty early campaign so Pretty early in the campaign, so there's still need to adventure and explore that. In the Harry Potter group, uh, our Hogwarts prep, um, they're uh, in where they think it's Alexandria. They are solving some puzzles. They're definitely in Egypt. Uh, they're discovering what they can do since the entire wizarding world, pretty much on both the good and the evil side, have some beef with them. Their allies are currently in incapacitated dealing with Grindelwald. So they're on their own trying to search for answers in a dungeon that's very heavily uh, puzzle-based. I wonder what that means. So I can't say things just in case they're listening. Uh, their last game, they uh, were currently at a riddle that they have not been able to solve. And they've had a week... And we'll see if they are able to solve it uh, on Wednesday. Um, it, yeah, uh, that's that's fun. On uh, our Monday game, uh, we yeah. defeated uh, a Durgan. Uh, yes. We ha we met some family drama. Yeah. Uh, we uh, beat up a couple of nerds. Uh, <laughs> just a couple of of, of uh, red cloaked nerds. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, Clearly not related to any giant scary 
wizarding organization. Not, not even, not even one little bit. Not, not one even, bit. They're totally unrelated. Not even Raceland or what? Not one little bit of it. Uh, ah. Wait, is race? No, Raceland's Dragonlands. Raceland is yes. not Faerun. Never mind. So Raceland no, no. has nothing to do with the Red Wizards, even though yeah, he no. was a Red Wizard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, and we might go talk to some giants. And uh, everybody's really excited for the next, the next couple of things because. I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to say Vic or not, but no, uh, it's no, it's totally appropriate to say. Yeah, so um, I'm excited because in the next session, which is next week, we are literally depending on what you all do as a party. Of course, of course, we will be moving from the first module of the campaign, Horde of the Dragon Queen, into the second half, which is Rise <sighs> of Tiamat. So, so we are starting sad. a whole new arc. Yeah, possibly dude. next week. That's so cool, and uh, that's gonna be exciting. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, a new arc, uh, um, mm-hmm. that, which is amazing. And then our Friday game uh, for Sacred World, uh, you guys have finally gone out and trying to get back these uh, strongholds for Whitestone, um, encounter some dire trolls. Um, there is a shortage of supplies within the city. Uh, there is they're completely surrounded by the the herd of storms, and there might be other things at foot that the party has every single piece but has not placed a puzzle together. Uh, there is the knolls. There's still that hag that's kind of invading y'all's uh, area. Ariel, Don't... for whatever reason, is being hunted by a court of. Uh, hell that has truth within heaven because the accords were signed by Asmodeus. Um, whoops. whoops, that's a thing. Um, that's a thing. So the the Goliaths are not as organized as they sound, but for some reason have completely taken over one of the most well organized militias in the entire inner sea region. Right. Uh, there's a lot that mm-hmm. that uh that uh you guys are gonna learn this is gonna be fun this is uh this is that part where like Naruto screams at sasuke for an hour and sasuke screams back for another hour and then you guys get the big <laughs> reveal and then it's like, oh what's up bbeg <laughs> oh suddenly suddenly we're at the bbeg's door and we're like uh-oh okay oh, where i didn't i didn't know you were here wow I, we didn't know that you were gonna be here we were like thinking you'd be over there is this your book? No. no, no. <laughs> did you write the? Did you? Did you, did you want this book? Did you? I, I don't think Ariel's gonna let you have it. Speaking of book, did you publish this? Do you want us to tell you how to publish this book? <laughs> See, look, look at the transition. Full circle. Full, full, really bad, not planned circle. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, uh, I think the conversation is going to try to be split into a. Uh, um, to if we're jumping into conversation, unless uh-huh. there's yeah. there's things that people want to ask about the campaign, um, the, the, I mean I, I can't ask anything for uh, for your game because it, it it's all gonna be revealed next week. So like there's nothing. I mean, for... hey, if you if you have questions, ask them, and I might give you an answer. <sighs> okay, I have a question. What's so, your question for for our Monday game? Uh, mm-hmm, for the Horde mm-hmm. of the Dragon Queen. Uh, yes. 
Are the Giants chill? See, you can't answer. Uh, <laughs> they are not Frost Giants, if that's what you want to know. No, no. I, yeah, they're Cloud Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I figure that much. You know, a castle in the clouds. Mm, I uh, wonder who lives there. Yeah. Uh, Probably Stone Giants, I think. Uh, stone Giants are fucking cool. I kind of want to meet some Stone Giants in real life. Just like... Their, just hang with them. Just hang with them. Their entire life is just art. Like, that's amazing. And then you're like, hey, bro, we're going to message you. Stands up. All right, I'm 14 feet tall. I have a strength of a fucking mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah uh, I, uh, I'm... I mean, you spoke with Glasshale. Yeah. And Glasshale did say that one of them liked to come down and talk to him. A yeah. Lot. And he which, was friends with them. Which, it, it, uh, they, they, they let an old they let an old boy just hang out in in their basement, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I my my wondering is what uh, which you know I, I guess we're gonna have to explore that and we might mm -hmm. not even know what what um the questions for Fox if he gets to ask them is different um, mm -hmm. because he might just get distracted by uh, not knowing where he is. Because he's uh, a Triceratops right now. He is, he is a Triceratops. He polymorph. <laughs> he did not B-shape. So my intelligence is two. I think Champ might be smarter than Fox right now. I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> um, but it's, it's... So what do the Cloud Giants gain from having this dragon here? The, who's flying the vessel? It sounds like the wizards are just like renting a room in this mansion that's being flown to the yeah, it, uh, to the, the tower yeah the tower you you entered looked like it was specifically built for for wizards and not giant sized yeah which is like so what's what uh what do the giants get to gain from being part of this organization because yeah, that's, that's a that's a question to ask them because giants and dragons aren't the best of friends in Faerun. They they mm -hmm. they've had beef, and yeah. from what I understand, when we're like, yeah, bro, we don't think it's cool. They're gonna take like your gold, and good old Glassy was like, excuse excuse the hecking out of me. Excuse the hecking what? Yeah. So obviously, Glasshell was not informed that which Glasshell's an ancient worm. It should be pretty known that. Tiamat's rising requires a horde worth of her summon, like any yeah. dragon. So yeah. was he not informed? Is he not allied with Tiamat? Like, what is the specific beef I with... It's, is every single chromatic dragon aligned with Tiamat? Which is that, that you know, that there's the there's that whole conversation of, uh, yeah. of uh, what does it mean to be one of these dragons? What does it mean to be evil? Um... Is it just a hindrance towards humanity? So we put that classification on there because mm -hmm. we as humans are viewing the book uh, through our own eyes. Uh, right. Little bro was like, oh, Spud has metal blood in him. Uh, I'm going to hate him. And Glasshell obviously can sense that. He's like, eh, he's a donkey. He's just a donkey. He's just a donkey. donkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there, there's there's still quite a bit of conversation to be had, uh, and if it is the oh, yeah. last the last game, there's still quite a bit of answers 
two yeah, more we questions. Can, yeah, hopefully but we I, can uh, we we can we can circle back to that on the next reroll once we go through this arc and see what yeah. it all happens. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I am excited. It's it's <laughs> it's it's fun to uh, to get to get all those questions answered. And if they don't, then you're like, oh man, well there is another arc. I wonder if this leads into that arc. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna let that uh, that imagination wander. It's gonna be yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm like, there's nothing that you can answer for me. Uh, I I know how this goes, uh, but but uh, it's it's good to have it. unhelpful. Yeah, it's a uh, hey hey. What does this book do? I don't know. Why don't you read it? Why am I? I don't know. That? Try don't know. to open it and see what happens. Yeah, which I think Cole still wants to. Uh, he was still oh, promised Cole to definitely. Read the book. De- Cole definitely wants to do it. Um, this, if Ariel lets him. Which, uh, the, the Cole with the book, yeah. as I'm talking to Tabitha off to the side. Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting move that uh, Ariel was given a chance. Like, his yeah. angel buddy was like, I can go give this to Palo right now and solve all of your worries. Like, I, uh, I, I think I agree with Ariel in that moment. Because it's like, especially with suddenly... That him being told, "Hey, uh, you're being arrested for treason," to blah 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 blah. That's the point where I'd go, "All right, I ain't trusting no bitch in this house." Like, which he was. That was by a name that has been given. Yeah, you guys can do things with that information as you will. Basically, yeah. Which I think it, it also plays into his character, as Colton had told me before, that mm-hmm. Ariel is very. Uh, very slow to trust and if anything happens that would betray that trust then it's like lost forever but this is his this is his oldest friend i know i know this this is his friend before there was even gnomes in the world right and he and he said that he would take it to palor which is the god that ariel serves yeah and ariel's like no that's why it's like huh so where do your alliances lie i think this is me just purely speculating on a character that is not my own. Uh, I, I feel like it's Ariel wanting to complete the task himself because a it could it could help lead into his journey to godhood, yeah. and b because he wants to see it through himself with his own eyes so that he could either catalog it in his book or just to see what Paylor does with this information. Yeah, which uh, it's, it's it's one of the things where I I am a. And as as a player, we've discussed this, mm-hmm. but it's a very very hard line he's walking because if he does yeah. do something to the five paylor, direct connection, that's that's six levels that go away. Yeah, that's that's some oathbreaker status right there. So it's it's a it's an interesting it's a very interesting fine line he's walking that I'm enjoying. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how he handles it. Uh, as long as you guys live after uh, these trolls uh, stop chasing you. As long as yeah, we live, yes. <laughs> and the the that's the best way to address our current situation. I think that's most of Sacred World. As long yeah. as you live, you might get as an long, answer. Yeah, if you guys if you guys survive this, uh, maybe maybe you just might get a a little slight head nod at something. <laughs> yeah, just maybe, just a little bit. It's like what ninety episodes? Can you give me an answer? Here's another head knot, but that wasn't even towards the question I wanted. Right, right. Yeah, but it's, it's like, another. Please, 
please give us an answer. And, and like all, all of the supernatural beings are like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Every maybe sing- not. And everyone's just going fucking insane over it. Every single uh, supernatural just- being is just a fae, uh, an arc fae who's like, I don't know. I don't know. And West is just like, fucking God, hate the gods. It's yeah. Goddamn- he- West thinks it's a goddamn joke, honestly. It's it. I mean... Wes that's, would like to speak to their manager. That's a that's a conversation that could be had at a different time. That's, <laughs> that's an entire that's an entire uh, reroll podcast. Wes, so Wes would for sure just yeah just just look at Paylor and be like, I don't think you're doing a good job, buddy. I'd like to speak to your manager. And he's like, uh, I am the manager. Yeah, I want to <laughs> speak to the guy above you because you you don't know what you're doing, obviously. You're like, making my friends sad. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like oh, it's fucking fight. And blank from existence. I know, and smited. <laughs> yeah. Wes is like, I'll, I'll fucking fight. I'll fuck it. <laughs> you just see this in in a blank space. I know. Same thing happened to me. <laughs> it's like it's like Taylor just snaps his fingers and like Wes disappears from everyone's view, but then he's still standing next to Dis, and Dis is like, I fucking told you. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here? <laughs> and then like one little person walks by hey how did you hear and he's just like i don't know it just goes back into existence god oh man oh, uh, second world, right? <laughs> yes yeah it's uh it's it's fun i uh i really i'm I enjoy the campaign so much. I oh really yeah, I I'm I'm looking forward to Fridays like every week. It's so great. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but okay, so let's uh let, let's let's go through these these things. I'm just gonna read the first uh one. Uh, uh, okay. Um. Oh yeah. So so writing your campaign would be like kind of one section of the conversation, and then the mm-hmm. second section would be uh, translating D and D to to actual uh, uh works of fiction. From yeah. from what I'm understanding, how you wrote uh, tonight's notes. Yeah. So yeah, my uh, my my thought process was like a little all over the place because I was like frosting like a hundred bunts at at the time I was writing this down. Were you like typing with your feet on the phone as you were like? No, I was just like I was like just laser focusing on my phone and like sending my mental thoughts to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> as it just kind of sat on the table, but. Um... Yeah. So I I decided I wanted to break this up in the sense of. Uh, the, the the entire conversation stems around you know writing and fiction and you know content creating so yeah. i wanted to break it up first into i guess first uh i guess how writing for tabletop campaigns works uh as opposed to like writing for like actual fictitious w- narratives like books and etc if that made any sense yeah I, that makes sense <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Right, right, right. So, like, uh, essentially, like, uh, for the first uh, point of topic, uh, writing for your campaign, like, uh, you know, how how is it you go about starting, like, your idea for a campaign? Like, whether it's completely, like, a homebrew, like, idea, or if you're working out of a module, like, what what's your process? Like, how do you, how do you go about creating your campaign in, in written form? Are you asking me right now? Yes, I'm asking you right now. Okay, uh, it's always uh, to be honest. Usually, uh, it's I'm listening to music 
a song that I've listened to a hundred times, and then for some reason I either miss your lyric or hear something new, and that uh, mm-hmm. prompts me to be like, oh, what about this? And then that I, that what about this turns into what if this is a conflict, and then that yeah. conflict gives me a villain, and then that villain shapes the world. And then you guys fill everything else in. That's nine out of ten how I write most of my games. Okay. Personally, I do mine kind of in sections. Basically, I get mostly I use a module, but like I said, modules are fragments. Mm-hmm. You got to fill in the gaps in between each adventure, each situation that happens. And basically, I get the the, the the things that happen, the things that are in the module, I'll, I'll go ahead and figure those out first. I'll roll, I'll take care of all the dice work, I'll get it all situated out. Then I gotta make it blend into the homebrew part that kind of makes it all kind of connect together. So it's kind of like uh, you, you're putting the bones together first, then you put the meat on top of it, and then you put the skin on it, and then you put the clothes on it. You know, it's kind of a backwards thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about uh, you, Vic? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I I usually well for for at the moment. Um, I'm working out of a module, obviously. Um, and I am I am currently uh, collaborating with uh, Tabitha on a uh, on a whole uh, world building for a campaign setting. So. Right now for my module, essentially what I like to do is like I'll I'll read through it. I'll like see where it's taking me, where what ambitions or like what I guess what the intended goals are for your antagonists of the story. Mm-hmm. I'll I, I take I take copious amounts of notes on that. And uh from there, um it's it's mostly for modules I like to cater to the player themselves because it's like modules can be very cut and dry in the sense of, yeah. all right, you're going to point A. You do a fight, okay. Now you're going to point B, and just, like it just kind of repeats in that sense. And you don't, it it's like you you don't get a sense of like investment in the world. I say, mm-hmm. so uh, I I I think I spend a lot of time like taking villains, taking NPCs, and I try to like rewrite them in a way that makes them more engaging, more interesting, and maybe even like as foils to the characters that are coming into the story in order to to combat it. So. Uh, it's I'm trying to think how to say it, how to say the words. I'm a writer, uh, but but yeah, it's it's uh, I I do listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of soundtrack music when I write because it just kind of like helps get me in that mood. Like I like if I listening to atmosphere uh, atmospheric music. Um, usually my go to is like I like to listen to the Witcher soundtrack like on like an eight hour loop. No. And I'll just be listening to that while writing up my yes. stuff. I do, I do, I kind of do the same thing for Alistair as well. Like if I'm in a, like if I if I have to write for a setting where you guys are in a city, or if you're in like some kind of town, I'll find like some soundtrack music that pertains to being in that town, and I'll just like, kind yeah. of work with that mood. I uh, I'm I'm, I'm, yeah. My music is never. I don't know if it reflects on the campaigns because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of times where like especially when you enter White Zone, uh, the peacefulness of of the yeah. location or like um uh they're, they're, like the farm when you guys uh, went into uh, uh, Febby 
it just, just like there's a lot of locations that have like a beautiful atmosphere to it mm-hmm. um, oh yeah that's uh or um something that's like even the drow house that you guys went to the um it, it was th- there was a lot of like oh, gross stuff um you know torture bad but there, yeah. there's an elegance to it and uh when i'm listening to my music it, it tends not to uh Mm-hmm. Uh, to be that, like I'm listening to cattle decapitation as I'm writing a beautiful scene for Whitestone, or I'm, tr- I'm writing the notes on how beautiful the leaves are. It's uh, for some reason the extreme noise is very calming to me. So like it helps me just put out thoughts. Like it completely detunes the entire world. So I'm just focused on this piece of paper. Um, but it's it's um, interesting because I. Nothing that I have is is generally happy uh, right. in my tone of music. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe panic, like two panic at the disco songs. Uh, so it's it's <laughs> only two. Yeah, maybe only just two of them. Uh, yeah, the so, way you two are talking sounds like one of our little podcast conversations that'd be about music. Because <laughs> I mean, you're using music. I'm, I'm putting stuff together. So that's not a bad idea. Like <laughs> that's I mean, not a bad idea. Music, it's what I do in the environment, first of all, I got to see what the abilities of each character is. Mm-hmm. Like what, you know, like in D&D, you know, who can discover traps, who can, you know, sense this, who can sense that. And also in Gamble World 2, who can can do this or that. And it, it's just something that uh, I take care of first. I, you know, like what percentage of them have to, to sense this, to know this or stuff like that. I take care of that first. And then I go ahead and start taking care of the environment for the characters. So, yeah, I uh, for that's how I do my dungeons. I, exactly what you said is exactly how I do my dungeons. I look at the abilities of the players, and um, uh, I, not to say that everything's evened out from level one all the way to the end. But you know, usually you don't throw a level one party into a level twenty dungeon, right? What's, so, what like, is balance? It, it's balance is hard to do and i try to do balance um so like as an example if the rogue is the trap finder that's a very specific thing that we can all wrap our minds around and they have a plus seven to to their ability um on average i'll make the traps a 17 to begin with that is the average a 10 on the die um, so like if it's really hard I'll make sure that oh you need to get a 15 to a 17 to disable this trap because it's really important to the dungeon or whatever um, so it's if uh, if you're looking at how to balance your game make sure that the characters don't have to only roll 19 to solve your puzzles um, but yeah and I would also put that you know people need to understand that you know dungeon master game master you gotta be two or three steps ahead of the characters before, you know, you play the game because you have to be ready for whenever they make that little left turn you're not yeah. waiting for yeah, to that's... put it together and things like that. Yeah, exactly. You always have to make sure you have a ceiling in uh, your rooms because who knows yes. when, when your characters are just going to fly out of there. That's a that's a jab towards it. <laughs> Excuse? <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's it's true. I, um, uh, I, I always... Try to like run through the dungeon myself to make sure if there's a, a way to like get out of it, um, like in a different manner. 
and it's it always impresses me how people figure out how to do something completely different that I'd never thought of. Like last Friday, just the simple idea of I'm gonna climb this cliff to use as an arc point because these creatures have arms; they don't have anything yeah. else. I'm like, that's a, obviously a brilliant idea. I would have never thought of that. Using your environment to your advantage um, is often amazing. You don't just go in and hack and slash. You, you, you do things and think outside the box. Um, and putting those elements in there uh, when you're writing can, can also help. Like, what's in this room? Are there barrels? Can I hide in the barrel? That's a great ambush point. Um, like, what does the barrel have to do with the adventure? What does the barrel have to do with mm-hmm. the situation at hand? Yeah, and, and now you start thinking, like, why is there a barrel here? Oh, maybe the barrel is like an empty barrel for, like, the food storage that these ogres had in this dungeon. Well, okay, so if there's a st- the ogres are getting food, who's bringing the food to the ogres? Oh, okay, well, maybe there's, like, a goblin camp that, like, exchanges things. So now the ogres and the goblins are working together in this city, and now you have, like, a monopoly of food exchange between these two races and it's it it all that starts building up and as you keep notes and you're like oh look i have an entire underground organization of these humans feeding these other creatures who pass down the food to the goblins who pass down the food to the ogres is it really an organized crime the humans are making to feed this dungeon <laughs> it's uh it, it then you, you get wrapped around and you're like oh spiral you enter that wormhole yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, uh, I'm, as I'm looking through the notes, uh, what's mm-hmm. your uh, audience? Uh, yeah, player type and audience. I um, that's definitely a, a good thing to to think about. Um, yeah. Uh, like when uh, anytime I do a film project, uh, my my first question to the person that I am, if it's not something that's like my own, right? Uh, first question is always, who's your intended audience? How do you want them to see this? Because doing the exact same campaign, the exact same module as an example, like will be different if you're playing with your family, if you're playing with friends, if you're playing at a game store. Like all this is completely different and uh, the writer should write according to their audience. Um, You're, you know, like that's, I think that's a line in like most comedy, just like read the audience, like, you know, do these jokes hit this specific type of audience, and that will help the writer the make a good adventure, make a good game, make a good book. Does this match what you, your people want to read? Because you can write for yourself, and that's amazing, and that's fine. Um, but the intended goal is for, I am assume, for others to read your work, for others to play your adventure. Um, so I think that's a that's a really good thought to have before you, uh, you you once you have your idea once you have that spark, then you branch off into the okay now how I'm gonna write this how I'm gonna look at my character stats and see what they have and start writing this oh they don't have a healer, so they're obviously going to need to prepare more for like downtime to heal buy potions or whatever. Um, uh, it's a thought on that. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, how do how do you write for your audience? Like, what's what's your your uh, your thought on that? I mean, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. 
typically like if I'm writing for uh, if, I, if I'm writing for my uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign, then my audience is obviously my players, yeah. and I I definitely want to cater to things that would interest them. Like what like which is why I always like to ask them questions like what what is your what do you what do you want your character to succeed at what what do you what's your character's intended goal what are their ambitions like yeah what do they, what do they want to do and like they'll, I'll take that information and I'll try to like write it in however I can into the game like you i asked what what everybody wanted to do like when you got to the dragon and you're like i want fox to boop that dragon's nose and i was like yes you fucking can sir yeah it's uh and th- that helps the um uh, specifically for right. like these rpgs it helps the player feel invested yeah um it's uh serotonin reward <laughs> yeah it's it's uh i got that smile i got that happy i did the thing yeah which there's you nothing the wrong thing. with with um with going to a hobby store and being like, dude, I'm just here to roll dice and get gold. Like, that's perfectly fine. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, the, that's our Sunday game is pretty... Sorry, not Sunday. Uh, yeah, the, uh, there was a Sunday game. It's pretty much like it's... They already figured out the pattern is go find the false prophet, defeat them. There's 15 gods, 15 false prophets. Like, it's a yeah. pretty cut and dry game. But those games are just there to let's just chill and relax. Let's just let's just roll some dice and make some jokes and and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beat up some nerds. Like that's that's pretty much how that works. Right. Um, but for some of our things, the um, that uh, it's also good for the players to know how the DM writes. Like oh, yeah. I've, I've told every single one of my games, like I want that drama. Give me that relatability. Like that's what I want. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear your deepest, darkest, saddest thoughts. So I can twist it. That's that's what I want. Um, yeah. But then I listen to what you guys do. What you want How you want to work the world. Ariel wants to become a god. Okay. That's that's a very tall task. How do we get that done? How how do we how do you make that happen? Cole wants to explore the world and. Be an adult, not having to listen to his mommy anymore. How do Aww. we? How do we interpret that into the world? How would he make that happen? Wes just kind of just wants to do good. How do we make him struggle to do good? Harry yeah. Potter group is just a whole bunch of drama. Just drama. I mean, it, it, it's a it's it's a teenage drama. They're, they're te- I'm like they're teenagers. What did it's, you expect? It's it's very much a teenage drama. I I I, I, I deeply enjoy the drama between just Sonya and Jericho alone. I think I think uh, Steph just brings this chaotic energy into any. She player. does. She really does. She's she just comes in. It's like all right. I know you have a story, but how can I blow it up? Right, it's like I, I try to write like an in-depth what's going to happen for the game, like what I have planned, and then on like five different like sticky notes, I have contingency plans A through C about what what could happen because of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> n- knowing the knowing your audience, knowing the players. Um, uh, when I was asked to join one of my uh, uh, like uh, non-stream game, one of my uh, for my one of my friends who DMs uh, my girlfriend's game. Uh, it's I I learned very fast that I could not invest a heavy backstory into those characters because it's so random. It's yeah, like they had an entire adventure where they found the gate queue from Hellraiser, but they got stuck and only were changing each, each other's like races and sexes, and that's the entire 
five-hour game. It was just playing with that on a boat. Oh, man. And so, like, okay, cool. So uh, do not write a terrible drama about a kingdom. Got it. All right. I am a silly gnome who likes jewels. Cool. That's, that's So knowing your audience definitely definitely helps. And especially when you're, like, writing a book, it's uh, going into theming and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What what's what are you writing for? Who are you writing for? Like, right. Um, not necessarily for like um accumulation of well, wealth or anything. Uh, sorry. I think when you're a game master, you're basically writing for yourself because you're the ones who have to make sense out of it all to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand what you're writing, don't expect everybody else to understand it too. And so I think, but when you're writing a story, you're writing to the audience. Mm-hmm. And you're basically trying to capture them because when you write, you know, first thing I learned about writing is that you have to have a conflict on every page. It could be uh, fighting the coffee machine or having a gigantic war with the world at the balance. So yeah. as long as you got conflict on every page, you're okay. But in, in gaming, you just have to make sure that it's challenging, it's engaging, and it's, you know, people like to have, like our group, you know, on, a, on Friday night. They like to overthink things. They like to think things out. They like to solve puzzles and stuff like that. Okay, fine, go for it. You know, you know if that's what you like to do, go for it. Yeah. No, I, I like that the the idea that uh, every page has of a conflict. Every uh, um, which I'm mm-hmm. trying to work that in my own games. It's like they're uh, I forgot how I think it's like uh, the A plot and the B plot, which is uh, yeah. There's A plot. There's a book that fell from heaven. And there's always conflict around this book. What does this book mean? That's that's a plot, um, and then B plot is whatever that arc is. And then within that arc, there's daily challenges that you guys are coming with. Within yeah, yeah. a big arc, there's a character arcs as well. And uh, the the more I'm like, what does this session? And sometimes you won't get there just because mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you spend five hours shopping, some. And there's gold with that sometimes, and sometimes there isn't gold with that. But that's that's the the beauty of live playing the game. It's it's not mm-hmm. it's not like you can uh, control like a video game where like every single gameplay there is that. What do I need to write down for that action beat? Mm-hmm. What do I need to write for that conflict? With the book, you you have control over it. You don't you know players they they're chaotic. They do what they want. You're hurting cats. Um, but with your book, you're definitely writing every single page being something as a conflict. That's a, that's a brilliant thing that mm-hmm. uh, that I have not thought about. That's awesome. Um, trying to incorporate that into a game is awesome. I I uh, I want to try to do that. It's 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 yeah. a it's a fun thing. I, th- I now, think to, probably... to also you know add to that point. Now you're talking about, you know, writing for the game and writing the book. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're trying to get your game to become a book, so now you have to kind of balance out what you're doing. And then yeah. you're waiting for the players to play and see what their reactions are and see what their final outcome is. And then you have to somehow put that into a story on pages. Yeah. So, you know, that's a challenge that is a lot of fun. To me, that's the best part. And... Because I can, you know, like when I let these kids play Gamma World and they went through all this stuff, then I could sit down and see what they did. Okay, now how can I make sense out of this? How can I make the story work mm-hmm. what a bunch of eighth graders did? Which you're playing with people in the future that have the minds of eighth graders. So, you know, it, it makes it more challenging. 
Yeah, it's a, it's definitely an interesting uh, uh, way to do it. It's it's pretty cool. Um, it's it's because it, it feels organic when you're uh, when you're taking this instead of a what will they do next? Well, I already know what they will do because this this little girl just said what they're gonna do. It's a it's pretty cool. Um, so, from moving on from audience into uh, theme goals and ambition um i know we talked about goals and ambition a little bit uh but themes what it, what exactly do you mean by themes Vic? um i guess i meant it in the way of like um uh, you know what's like when you're writing uh whether it's uh i'm trying to think how to piece it together but essentially like when you're writing usually there's like uh, a series of like common elements that come into play a lot when mm -hmm. you're telling your story. And so I guess it's like what kind of message you want to bring with your story oh, okay. that, that either you, you uh, could uh, give to your audience to interpret or for your players to um, like, you know, take it as they will. So like like kind of a, like money corrupts like like, like yeah that. like money corrupts or like or like for Sacred World where it's nature versus nurture like that kind of thing yeah which you guys have yeah uh, there there's a couple of those little themes here and there the nature mm -hmm. versus nurture I didn't expect to hit that one a little maybe harder than I anticipated when I first started the campaign almost two years ago um, but that's that's like you said. Do all chromatic dragons follow Tiamat? Like, yeah, it's it's not a cut and dry world. It's not, it it's not a binary system. It's uh, things that are sentient have their own ideas, and mm -hmm. that creates conflict, and that's where we live. Yeah. Um, and like, do you? And I, and I guess another thing to ask is like, do you find yourself? Uh, as as looking back through the campaign, like there you have your intended theme, which uh, let's like taking Sagerwell for example, like you have your intended theme, which is nature versus nurture, and along the way as you're going, have you found that like that like if there's like a, a like an underlying unintentional theme that it's like starting to weave itself together as as the game goes on. There, for for Sacred World, I have found that um, challenging the status quo or authority, more specifically authority, has become an underlying thing that I did not notice as I've been writing this. And uh, it became very evident uh, after one of our, like, uh, oh, game's over, but we're still going to talk for the next two hours by yeah. ourselves. <laughs> and it's like, we're in another kingdom, and another person of nobility has asked us to save their town. I don't trust them. It's like, oh... Wow, I have done that uh, a couple of times. It is like I didn't know that. That's a. Uh, uh, I hope it's not like a repetitive thing. I hope it it's just thematic. That is that is what mm -hmm. we're doing. Um, I, I don't think it. Uh, based on nobody complaining, I, I don't yeah. think that it's it's like a oh again, is the royalty a bad person again? It's more of a like. We've learned not to trust things based on, like, don't trust a book based on its cover, or judge a book based on its uh, cover. That that butchered uh, line. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I uh, I've been trying to reflect back on the other campaigns, like uh, mm -hmm. if that's a thing that I've been doing. For Hogwarts, it's 
I have been doing my absolute best to give that Hogwarts feel of grandiose mystery, mm-hmm. uh, magic with no explanation, and it's going to boil down to a couple of kids who saved the world because the adults don't challenge what's happening. And there is a little bit of that, like challenging the status quo of like, can you trust the ministry? Um, can you trust Dumbledore? Realistically, no. <laughs> uh, you should realistically, you should never trust Dumbledore unless he specifically talks to you for more times than you can think of. Then you trust him. You're going to get hurt, but somehow he used you as a pawn to save the world. Yes. Because Dumbledore Correct. is a jerk. Such an asshole. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, but uh, what what about you, Vic? Is there a, uh, or, or Dicky uh, anything that has stood out from y'all's games that you're like, oh, I we cover this thing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, as as far as uh, TMI goes, for sure, it's uh, I I feel like there's definitely uh, a theme of naturally you guys have followed the found family route, which I just absolutely adore in every sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. whole uh, idea of, I like, I like Janva's whole thing of uh, second chances. Like when you come from something that that was all you knew, but then you find out, mm-hmm. Oh wait, we're the bad guys. <laughs> Hold yeah. on. That, that, that's a good, good. Like cha- challenging, uh, I guess a uh, challenging tradition, I guess is a way to put it. Oh, uh, Hmm, okay. It, I I guess I, I I don't know if that was the right thing to say, but like uh, challenging, like uh, that's interesting. In a way, like the the environment you were raised in. Yeah, yeah, that's I like that. That that definitely yeah. fits Jamba. A lot of us, it fits that way mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. group, um, especially. Yeah. To me, it's it's like that's more of a, a writing thing than it is a, a gaming thing, because you know. When you write, you can basically control the emotion, you control the mm-hmm. tempo of the story. When you're gaming, it's really kind of fluid because you're basically depending on the characters to roll the dice and determine what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. So, Did, you know, even then, I'd say that there's there's always going to be situations where a dice roll isn't happening, and it's it's all on how the player as the character is going to react to a situation, like finding out the queen is not truly the queen and that she's been a witch in disguise this whole time or like their long lost brother is suddenly alive again or something like that that's that's like, why uh, for uh in in my house rules for like our games it's anytime there's ever uh, a um, persuasion and deception and in in uh, uh investigation and insight all those are really tricky um, and I'm sure there's articles that can describe it better on how to mm-hmm. actually go about doing that within uh, um, games, you know, specifically mm-hmm. D and D. It's it's always does whenever that happens, I literally like to just cross my arms like, all right, does your character believe that? Well, what did the role say? Like, no, your real you personal. What do you think? Like, I I do think that the dice will influence the decision. I roll the twenty. Yeah. Okay, then he triggers some things in the character, or one they didn't trigger those things. But it's it's that live conversation between players. Yeah. When it comes to like NPCs versus PCs, it's it's really easy to higher number wins, lower number doesn't. But when yeah. it's uh, because when you're writing a story, in not the game, 
you, you know, you get those influences. You get that, oh, he's scratching his nose too much. Obviously, he's lying to me. But in, in those moments of the character, it's that's what that drama yeah. uh, develops. It's, it's really... Right, right. Like, uh, uh, one, one uh, thing that comes to mind for me is, like, uh, on Friday, when I... Uh, when it was brought up of the idea that there could be werewolves involved. And I was like, okay, Wes has lived in this area for, for most of his childhood. You know, do you think he would know anything about that? And then you had me roll the die. And that's where the whole story was weaved together of there was a sick child that you once knew of. And, and, you know, your guardian had to take care of that. And it's like, well, that opened a whole new written narrative right there. Yeah. And it's always fun. when it's Yeah. <laughs> Ryan loves to do that. He's like, <laughs> there's been many a time uh i mean that's live so you can see it you can go back and watch yeah. it he's like i'm sorry for dropping this on you but huge backstory <laughs> deal with it dm it's like all right <laughs> takes notes okay cool understood let's write something with that uh, oh man oh, uh, i love that I, I love i love when characters get uh, when players get so like invested in like the lore and like the in the world itself that they're like writing things in for their characters to interact with i i love that so much yeah it's it's it's, it's good um it's uh <laughs> oh and and on note on uh, uh for writing things down uh if you're a dm you should tell your players really early off take notes because i'm not gonna correct you or be like if you make a mistake, your person lived that life. It's not you. So, like, I get it. You know, you have a car payment to do. You're not uh, going out and uh, killing yeah. these these bugs for XP. Um, but uh, it, I think having a theme, like a generalized nature versus nurture, like mm-hmm. helps you definitely write down uh, the uh, your games. Like for for the age of Maya, the next campaign uh, mm-hmm. for Friday the theme in my head is exploration this is a new world you're exploring the world how do i make an old a a a vibrant new age feel old and unexplored so like that's the theme for that one for for the um next campaign after hogwarts it's going to be an Arthurian tale which is uh we're we are going back to old school D &D. like love it low magic very dangerous high ends and there is a reason why we have walls in this castle. As soon as you leave it, that forest over there has a lot of danger. Don't go out and explore. Being an adventurer means something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, those things will help you write your games. And it's if you're like, oh, what do I do for this session? There you go. What's your theme? Go go back to those roots. Yeah. Um, but uh, so how do we get all these things and how do we translate it into a book? Um, see, the first thing that you have is canon. Uh, would uh, do you want to elaborate on that? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, my first thought process when I was writing that down was I was thinking of all the times, like you know, when you go to bookstores and mm-hmm. you see that there are actual like written D and D adventures as novels that you can read through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like the, thinking uh, in terms of like how do you take the like those adventures themselves, whether they came from like already pre written like canon material. By, by Wizards of the Coast or what have you. I have not, I, in truth, I have not looked through any of them, so I don't have much say on, on what it is. It's just my pure observation of, I see they have D&D books, and yeah. they're, they're narrative books you can read. Like, that's a thing. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, what's, frick, what are they? There's Dragonlands, there's uh, um, Faerun, Forgotten yep. Realms. Forgotten Realms. <sighs> yep. There's Greyhawk. 
Yeah, they're the gray hocktails. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's probably others that I can't think of. All um, right. But yeah, like even Magic the Gathering has like their own like books and lore. Oh yeah, Halo yeah. apparently is like super super deep in that too. Like every person that I know that uh is very tactic in the in the, or like plays Warhammer, they're like, oh the the books are amazing. I'm like oh I didn't right. know there was lore to just you guys you know mm-hmm. rolling your dice and finding these armies. Like no no there's like a lot of deep lore. Oh uh, yeah for sure. So if if you're doing something um. Uh, not D and D, because um, you know copyrights um, and publication is a thing. Uh, if eventually you make money, and when money comes, people will sue if you stole their idea. Um, There's an official D and D cookbook. Hold up. <laughs> That's... I actually went. On, I went on the Wizards website because I wanted to like yeah, see course. what all was on there. So, are you telling me there's an entire book to help you with your pastry dedication? Pastry dedication. Uh, 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 that's uh, amazing. Quote unquote working title. Yes. Uh, quote unquote working title it. for a year. Quote unquote working title. Yeah. So I. Yeah, that's definitely a book I want to look through. Um, Jeremiah has. Uh, there's a. Uh, there's a Harry Potter one. There is a Legend of Zelda one, and then there's. I have. A, I have a Game of Thrones one, and I want the Skyrim one. So like, I'm, I think Jeremiah I'm all about has collecting. We. I am all about collecting fantasy cookbooks. <laughs> this is slightly business talk, but we really need to like work on that because uh yeah, sure. i mean Jeremiah might have some ideas so we'll talk about right, that right, later. Right. Uh, but yeah so non yeah, <laughs> not using their thing um i huge horror fan so uh, the, the number one thing that, that i look for horror mm-hmm. things that uh works for does this movie work does this story work is rules are established um yeah. and Freddy Krueger enters your dreams at night. Like, enters your dreams. That's how it can kill you. Like, that's a pre-established rule. And based on that, you can make an entire story out of this. Um, So, like, I think making your rules, uh, a lot of it stems from the the few, like, tabs that I have open. Either one, the number one rule or the second rule about fantasy and sci-fi and writing is what is a magic system? How does magic work? Yes. Uh, or how does the high oh, technology work? Like once you I establish these rules, um, it helps you develop your world because uh, the you don't want to run into the problem where um, uh, like J.K. Rowling is because I legitimately think she's a bad writer. I've never liked her writing. I like the universe, but I don't like her writing as a person who has never written anything in his life. As far as uh, I'm concerned, that's your universe now. Uh, t- <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you wrote the entirety of all that stuff. Well, thank so, God. Uh, no, uh, but it's it's. Um, I think it's getting uh, caught up in the state. I have ideas. Let me right. write these ideas down. But I never had a backbone. I never had that skeleton, like Dicky said, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to write everything else. And like, oh, wizards existed in the in the time before restrooms. Well, how do they use the restroom? Oh, they no. just defecated on the floor and magic it away. Did That's you really? That's stupid as hell. Why? Why is that a thing that you it's need to publish stupid to as the hell. world? Jesus fucking Christ. It's like she never even knew that actual fucking irrigation systems existed. Holy God. I'm going to start ranting about that. Let's so, like, if you're, if you're going to write a... like Historically, his... it makes no sense. <laughs> Obvi- yeah, obviously. It's just dumb. But if you're going to write a fantasy thing, the, the, the theme of fantasy has established a lot of your world. 
you, the, mm-hmm. you, gold is a thing, and uh, you, uh, you go out and venture, and you find a tavern, and, uh, like, you know, like, you have these things. Going to Western has its themes, has its rules already. Sci-fi is really broad, and, like, you, you can pick so many things, post-apocalyptic or super high, high sci-fi society, um, mm-hmm. like, uh, in Star Wars, etc. Like, you, you have all these things that you can just grab and pull, and, like, those are your rules. But yeah. And one thing mm-hmm. you got to realize, too, is that one thing I learned about writing when I'm writing sci-fi fantasy and stuff like that, you as a writer may understand everything that you're writing, mm-hmm. but sometimes you lose concept of what the reader can understand mm-hmm. and what the reader can conceive of what you're trying to put together. Mm-hmm. Because if what you're putting down is what you think and what you feel, yet the reader doesn't get it, then the reader's not going to read what you got. Yeah. So you have to understand the reader, you have to dummy it down a little bit just to get them to follow along what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think that's why the um, the fish out of water character is so successful? Because uh, I, I mean, it's. I think it entirely depends on the reader. Like, you don't want to write specifically for everyone so that you can make it palatable for everybody. That's mm-hmm. why you have to know what you, who your target audience is. Mm-hmm. If you know for a fact that your target audience are people that are going to be able to grasp what your magic or scientific system is, then I. I mean, me personally, I'm a person that I don't like my hand being held. If I'm entering this this world, this yeah. that somebody's writing, I I want to be able I I want to be able to understand it, but like I don't want to be treated like I'm stupid about it. Like that's I think why I enjoyed The Witcher as a show because the way they narratively presented it, they weren't treating me like I was dumb. They weren't spelling it out for me. They're like, all right, we're presenting it like this. Piece it together. Yeah, because like in uh in. The two that stand out the most to me is uh, um, Luke and uh, Harry. Yes. Like, they're, what is this, what is a Jedi? Let me hold your hand through the entire process. What is, what is Hogwarts? Let me hold your yeah. hand through the entire process. Um, Which, versus, it could, it, I feel like it could get kind of bogged down and slow when you're having to explain every aspect of, of, some, of, like, of your world to somebody. Do you think like, if it's a new... Uh, and how do you know? That's another question. But like, do you, when it's something new, like, like Star Wars is, uh, I correct me when I'm wrong, but Star Wars, the idea was was for that audience, that mass amount of audience was pretty new. Hogwarts was pretty new as a concept, even supernatural. Like the first Twilight. couple, of, <laughs> Twilight. Uh, the the first couple of episodes was just calling that the the audience mm-hmm. by the hand and be like this is the world let's establish the rules then go into chaos versus one of the best things that the all the marvel movies had thus far is i'm not explaining anything to you maybe the first 20 minutes because you know who captain america is you know what yeah. thor is i we don't need to go to that spider-man I, it, he's there yeah, it, it's uh, there's only so many times you can go through a Spider-Man origin story. It, yeah, exactly. But, uh, I, I guess uh, jumping onto that, I think that's why I, me personally, I enjoy Star Trek as a narrative because mm-hmm. they, you're already in deep space. They're they're on a mission. They're gonna do this thing. They have Ooh. communicators and phasers, and you're gonna just figure out what those are yourself. <laughs> uh, speaking of Star Trek, uh, yeah. which uh, goes into specifically of the writing of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought. Um, start. If I'm going with with writing, which Star Trek versus Star Wars, 
I always go with Star Trek, even though I've watched yeah, like zero things of Star Trek. Everything that I enjoy <laughs> of Star Trek is stories I've been told about the show. Um, it's uh, tackling uh, the um, real live social um, dilemmas, I guess. Like, oh, civil rights, as an example, just a very broad one, right? Um, like, Star Trek would be like, yo, here's a black woman and a white man, and they're going to kiss. That's controversial. Like, well, what's in the future? Like, uh, uh, those, the, things like that. Um, yeah. Do you think it helps the writer to get something, which I think the easiest one is uh, uh, Nazis equal bad. Um, mm-hmm. the, I That's mean, just common sense. That's just common show. sense. Of course, yeah. <laughs> During the 90s, there was another show that dealt with a lot of social things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't see it because it was on cable. First it started on, on Showtime, then it switched over to sci-fi. And that was Stargate SG One. Oh, I love Stargate. The Stargate movie was was great. I mean, it had a great concept, great idea. Yeah. And then they took that movie and they put it into something else. Yeah. That opened up all the legends of the world were actually alien cultures, <laughs> and how you know they they go through the Stargate and go to these different cultures, and see these different situations, and you know you would think that you know. Uh, the general stuff, the stuff that happens, you would understand it, but they would always have a little twist to it to kind of change it up. Yeah. And it really made it, you know, interesting to follow. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I like I love it. Star- Stargate's so good. It's a... Uh, uh, I, um... Trying to word my uh, my thoughts uh so I'm right. just jumbling so t- talking about so talking about lore building and like writing and create basically creating like worlds that you can introduce to an audience or you know you know readers that has, or whatever that has social aspect to it yeah which world building in itself that that can be an entire conversation i feel yeah, i yeah. i could probably talk a long time about that because i'm currently world building for a whole web comic <laughs> which is going amazing God, I oh man, like Wait. the past few nights, Len and I have been up till like four a.m. like doing big lore talks and like hashing out timelines and et cetera. And it's just been absolutely nuts. <laughs> yes, was uh was Stargate uh, Atlantis uh, Jason Momoa's uh, intro? To, I like, believe so. To, to yes, like... Oh, really? Nice. That's cool. Oh man. Uh, That's making a big time. Oh, nice, nice. I uh, I met Jason Momoa. Well, excuse me, I met his shoulder once. Yeah, he, he shoulder checked you, right? Yeah, he did. I, <laughs> I, I don't think this this has been told on on uh, live yet, but uh, yeah, I uh, I was at a Dragon Con going being late for a photo shoot, and uh, uh, this dude bumped into me, and you know I'm a young twenty year old impressionable like I work out a lot guy. So I turned around to be like, hey man, Xco and then I turn up look upwards and it's just Jason Momoa as he just like looks at me he's like, hey this is like when and he, he was did- like he was like fresh from playing Conan, right? Yeah, exactly. He just <laughs> finished doing Conan so he had the Conan body and I was like So you so you uh, literally shoulder checked into West. I was like I hit a freaking brick wall <laughs> 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 and it's like, oh, what's up? Um, he was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, how you doing? What's up? What's up, man? 
Oh yeah. Um, so uh, um, going back on track. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> do you think uh, social aspects like um, what X Men? Oh, X Men is beautiful, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the the biggest um, way you want people to read your books. Yeah. You want and people like that's the main thing, right? After all, and I think a way to do that is. The books that are more successful is why? How do I relate to this? Why am I attracted to the main character? And something like uh, X Men, I think there's a beautiful, beautiful thing where it's like not fitting in. Uh, the social issue that they're dealing with is racism. Is 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 any ism that like says you're not part of the cookie cutter mentality of what you right. should be, right? So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I always took it for for like an allegory to like uh, LGBTQ community. Of course, yeah, uh, it, it's it's a uh, you are born different. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Like uh, one of the 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 uh, the easiest depictions of it is Nightcrawler, who Nightcrawler is a good 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 Catholic boy. He's a good boy. Like he is one I of love the Kurt. kindest, most loving individuals. Who's gone through so much pain? At the end of the day, he's like, "Hey, I just I love you, and I want you to be okay." And you know, with with Jesus Christo, we can we can overcome this. Like, but the image that uh, that stands out to me, like the oldest one that I can remember, is a politician holding a sign and like pointing towards Nightcrawler and said, "Is that human? Is that what we're going to consider human?" It's like, Ugh. and it's just right. It's disgusting to think that because he's such a good person. Um, and it's like, well, you know, and we can, we can list all the, um, the atrocities that happened, but that, that same question, like, do you fit in as an American? Like, do you fit in as blank or this or that, whatever? So that grabs the audience of saying, mm-hmm. I, I'm an outcast or I am part of this community or that community. And I have felt those negative comments. Yeah. Those things attract are relatable. Why do we feel for this person? I've seen so many Red Litter Media uh, shows that one of the biggest faults of the movie is I don't relate to this character. There's nothing, nobody can relate to this guy. Um, Like, I I think Superman had uh, that, like, as a modern person reading Superman, had that as a big conflict. There's no way I can relate to a god. It, he's perfect. There's nothing you can do to relate to that person. I, so I, I could have a whole I could have a whole conversation on Superman, honestly. Which let me make sure that everybody understands. I love Superman and Captain America. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love those two characters. Not because, and the reason why I love them is the reason why everybody hates them. Everybody being in quotations, um, like. M- like Cindy absolutely hates Captain America, and I'm like, why do you hate the character? He's too good. He's always correct. He always does the right thing. Like that's not his conflict. The Maybe conflict she'd hate is <laughs> she probably would. Uh, she'd probably well, hate Wes. Let's be real. <laughs> it's 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 one of those where like Wes is probably more relatable to Wolverine than Captain America. You're both doing the correct thing. You're both fighting for someone that cannot fight for themselves it's just captain america has to do it the right way he has to go to the pains of i need to do this the right way and i need to do it the legal way while wolverine and west are like no let's just cut their throats that's the fastest way to do it 
Like, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but like, yes, West for sure isn't gonna like think too hard about the law. Yeah, yeah, and and that's 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 Cap's thing is how do I do the right thing with a stacked deck with injustice, even though I believe injustice. What you're telling me is that I need to draw Ariel as Captain America, and I need to draw West as Wolverine. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> For a lot of reasons, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> just because DPS versus high AC too, so that's yeah. really funny. <laughs> oh, this joke has layers. Right. And, like, for Superman, it's it's a... We get it. Every single issue, he became stronger. Every, now he can fly instead of just jumping really far. Now he's not, like, weak against electricity. Like, at the peak of Superman Prime, he held eternity in his palm. That concept is stupid. Powerful. <laughs> Everything that ever is and was and will be, Superman's like, I'm going to grab it. How do you, how how can you, where is the scale? How do you write upwards? So let's change the story. How does a, how can a god be relatable to a person? Well. It depends on your definition of a god, truthfully. Well, yes. Like, that's why I loved uh, 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 Henry Cavill's Superman. That one scene where everybody just died in the office. That's, uh, I can't save all these people. I'm watching them die in front of me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm literally not faster than light. So I'm not faster than this explosion. Depending though, on the publication, yes. <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Um, <laughs> or like, it's just too late. And we've all been there. We're like, I, there's nothing I can do. Like, you're... had those moments. Like, your, your mom had a car accident. There's nothing I can do. I'm just sitting here powerless watching this happen. Like that's relatable you you get those moments and you hone those in and that's how your story gets that that, that, that right, good right. tastiness um but uh so going on i guess the topic of reliability um how what do you guys do is that a conscious thing that you guys think about do you think reliability? That, yeah like do you think it comes naturally or is it just something as the story progresses like we will eventually find those hooks because we're writing it and we're human too mm-hmm. i'm gonna say okay go ahead go ahead no you go ahead okay i mean i was gonna say that uh in terms of rela- relatability for characters and like writing in characters for rela- relatability it's for me it's kind of something that i have learned to be second nature because mm-hmm. if you look at the vast amounts of media and stories that 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 are out there and it's like okay i want to find a say i want to find a book that features a character that i i can relate to that is like me and i could take all that vast collection of media and i can narrow it down to maybe like five books mm-hmm. maybe yeah, yeah maybe so it's like you know okay um so in, for me, I, it's kind of trained into into a second nature kind of thing. Is I like to think from the perspective of of people that want to read, you know, stories that they feel they can relate to, that they feel that they could be a part of, because you know, there, there's always the conversation of, oh, well, there's not this superhero that looks like me, or there's not this character that's, you know, has the same problem that I do. Like maybe you know, uh, like for instance, uh, I think one thing I can think of is uh, Rick Riordan is a fantastic writer and i greatly enjoy his 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 novels that he writes for young adults which is basically taking greek stories writing them for like 13 through 17 year olds 
Oh. And he's always putting in characters that that those those people can relate to. Like is that the Percy uh, Jackson uh, yeah. series? Okay, cool. Got yeah. It. So the yeah the Heroes of Olympus, mm-hmm. and uh, he's moved, he's he has like several different uh, adaptations. So he's got uh, he's got Greek lore, he's got uh, Norse mythology, he has Egyptian lore, and um, and so he basically he's he's taken characters and he's like always writing in like um, I think recently in Trials of Apollo, it was mentioned that there is a non-binary character. And, you know, and like, for instance, one of the other characters that was in was in like one of the previous books is like, oh, hey, hey, guess what? I'm gay now. So they're like, oh, OK. So, you know, he's he's learning to adapt to where there's like a, a level of diversity within his novels that people really enjoy. Yeah. Which is why I like I enjoy him very much. So, yeah, it's it's kind of thinking. Yeah, I, I don't know how to clearly answer it other than, you know. Uh, I guess just like being conscious of who your reader is going to be, which Go is always a weird it. argument. It's it's always a weird argument for me because it's like I, me personally, when I'm writing my own stuff, like if I'm writing for Alistair, truthfully, when I'm writing for Alistair, I'm specifically writing for me and Lynn. Because we're, yeah. we're like, this is our webcomic. This is something that we're enjoying and we hope that everybody enjoys it with us, but we're writing for ourselves. This is our story that we're telling. And so it's it's the whole um including things that we like we're writing it for ourselves but also being conscious of the people that are going to be reading it in the future yeah and i think uh what usually what i do with that um i think specifically with my own novels is i look at you know people that i people that uh are in my social circles people that are in my friends groups and thinking you know wanting to include that within my stories like you know i have so many different people from so many different walks of life that that are in my life and so it's one of those things where i want to take that and have them also involved in it so they can see a little bit of their of themselves in it that's cool yeah that's cool no what i was going to say was that sometimes when you're writing something mm-hmm. you really got to be careful not to get involved in the cliches i mean you really got to you know, everybody writes basically the easiest writing is the one where you do cliches. You just, you know, you can pretty much figure out the outcome and stuff like that. But I think that when you give it a different twist and give it something that people are not expecting, then I think, you know, your writing can get better. Yeah. Like there, there's, uh, uh, I, I noticed, um, there's, uh, the, I, I have a lot of, uh, uh, uh I will say that I'm ill-prepared for this conversation for the fact that I'm not a heavy reader. Um, and I think the only way to get, become a better writer is read a lot, write a lot. Like that's, you know, Stephen King has said that. Like that's probably the best way to become that. The best way to become a filmmaker is make movies and watch movies, you know? like. No, I mean, I, I feel that. I feel that because like I've, I've, as a kid, I used to read so many books. Like I just knock them out one by one. And now as a, an adult, I'm like, where do I have the time? Yeah, it's... Yeah. So now, now... I know, right? Now, now I, I mean, I've discovered audiobooks, so audiobooks oh, have helped me. God, yeah, so, those, are, those are amazing. Audiobooks and podcasts. There's so many but good podcasts that th- I listen there's, to. There's that cliche-ness of, uh, mm-hmm. of um, for Hollywood, uh, as an example, they uh, they always want um, the, uh, uh, I have a joke for this that I kind of saw from somebody, but it's, um, there's always that love interest. Like, every single movie has to have that love interest. And a oh, lot God. of the time, 
Vic's reaction is perfect. It's like yeah. it's just unnecessary. This is actual work. It is. It, it doesn't story. pertain to the plot. And what I've uh, what I've discovered is a lot of Hollywood has the uh, um, has a clause in most of their things. Is this is how we're going to give you money? Is the main character has to have the not gays. Um, it's uh, let's give them a love interest because they're not gay. That's the only reason why. Like Bill and Ted's, the newest movie, their wives were just there and did nothing. There was no point to have their wives in the movie because they did literally nothing. They had two words and then that's it. They, they left. It wasn't world building. It wasn't establishment. They didn't have a conflict with them. It's just... They're there, and, and exactly the the and it's going into those those cliches of like, oh, I have a wife and two kids. Like, why? Let's I just... am totally straight. Look yeah. at me, Mister Straight Man. I have a well. Goddamn. <laughs> so uh, <sighs> yeah, falling into those pitfall uh, traps is is uh, is it's which bad. I I feel it's it's mm-hmm. such a it's such an awful thing to do because you can write good chemistry between characters and you know and it could be like a completely normal hetero romance but you can actually write good chemistry it's just that they choose not to for the sake of just being woman here him not gay i think sean of the dead was was amazing for that yeah the better story is not you know the guy gets the girl at the end Mm -hmm. the guy gets the guy or the girl gets the girl yeah that's a whole conversation it's, (laughs) it's the sense of attraction that doesn't go all the way you know what i'm saying that there's a respect there's a feeling i mean the best one i can think of is the movie league of league of their own yes about the girls baseball team mm-hmm. i love that about movie attraction about gina davis's character and tom hanks character yeah there was an attraction there but they never could really act on it but it was <laughs> there and it was real that's and yeah i think things like that makes the story more interesting yeah it's a it's it's that little bit of a conflict which, yes. uh, which, uh, so we're back to that conversation here, right? Mm-hmm. And in conflict and flaws, definitely uh, uh, make the story amazing. We we can relate to those things. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yep. uh, again a little bit going back to that Superman conversation. Is like Superman has no flaws, so he sounds boring. Captain America is pure. He's too good-hearted. He has no flaws. He's never gonna do a bad thing. Which is like in the boys, Butcher is such a horrible human like it's it's pretty good like he's such a bad person legitimately he's a bad person but you're rooting for him person too he's got you know a lot of anger built up yeah he he has and we've all uh been in a situation where like i felt his pain of someone getting hurt and there's nothing i can do about it but uh like uh, i i mean I can go on about that, but it might not be appropriate for the conversation we're having today. Um, <laughs> it, it's, but yeah, you're you're rooting for that character. They they wrote an amazing story because you're rooting for them. It's it's uh it's amazing. I got distracted with the piece of art my friend just sent, uh, which is beautiful. Uh, that's such a really amazing Minotaur. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's um uh it's I'm scrolling back to to get to the point here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um yeah, it, it's just uh uh make sure that they have flaws and make make sure that they have make conflict. Them, make them people, treat them like people, you know? Yeah, it's like, I feel I feel like that's always the best way to write write it. You know, you're writing 
a person, treat them like a person. True. I think also when, you know, kind of going back to writing about uh, games mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like D&D, I don't know what's copyrighted as far as, you know, um, orcs, I don't think they're copyrighted. Uh, yeah. Goblins, no elves, they, so anybody can write about mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that kind of changes it up when you're talking about Gamma World that, you know, they're pretty specific on what they got. Yeah. When I write about it, I have to change animals. I have to change uh, weapons. I have to change uh, different equipment. Yeah. You different have... things just to make it fit into that story to where it's similar to the Gamma World, but yet it's also different, too. Yeah. Pathfinder and, had to do that as well because, like, I think uh, Elithids and Mind Flayers are a D and D thing. Like, they created it, uh, so like other RPGs, like uh, like Pathfinder, cannot use them, even though there's creatures that like resemble mm-hmm. the idea of one, but they never flat out say, "Oh, this is an Elithid." And yeah, you definitely need to be careful with that stuff. Yeah, um, this is a man with an octopus face. Octopus <laughs> man. Uh, octopus man. Yeah, and um, well, see, what I'm upset mm-hmm. about is that the story I'm writing, you know, I, I picked a name out for a character, and I said, "Oh, this is such a cool name! I can use this guy and, and work with it and stuff like that." So I've been writing it for years, and what happens during the movie? They go ahead and title it his name, and I'm like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> I, I mean, oh, no. it, you know, you could still use it. It's not like yeah. it's it's clearly a well, copyright name. It comes from Greek or Roman mythology. Exactly. So, so therefore, it's free domain. Exactly. Unless Disney does anything about it. This is true. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a that's a, a thing that uh, once you start into the realm of publishing, that's that's something you have to look into. Copyright I, uh, is a thing, yeah. yeah. Yep. Because exactly, I, uh, I know of a person... Uh, who uh, that's that's as much as I want to be related to that individual. I know yeah. someone who their entire job is to uh, find things that are not copywritten, uh, buy the domain of it, and then sue you for not having that copywritten. And says your entire work is mine, or you paid me this money. Which obviously people are gonna be like, I'll pay you this money because this is my original work. Yeah. But, speaking speaking but, of which, yeah, Lynn and I are in the works of getting Alistair copywritten. <laughs> Which is good. You, you you guys really should. You're getting a, a lot of traction. You guys, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. And uh, um, uh, there there are a few locations that I can name of uh, where you once you are at that point that you are ready to like send to the location. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know uh, RPG Drive Through is a great location for publishing uh, anything within this realm, even uh, your novel, your your module, your uh, your level four one uh, dungeon adventure. Like you can publish it there, and it's a uh, you can set it for free. You can put a price tag on it. Uh, my favorite go to is the uh, the ones pay me whatever you think this is worth. It's it's out there. Um, th- those are really, really cool too, and it has a good community um, mm-hmm. to get yourself uh, um, published. There's also um, uh, freelancewriting.com, which has guidelines specifically uh, that you can look into saying like, okay, if you want to publish under sci-fi, uh, it needs this many words. It cannot be this, 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 or this. This is the, um, the money that you have to come in with, and this is what you get out of it. 
so there's 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 quite a few things. I know that uh, Facebook has a group right now uh, going on this. Uh, I think it's called like um, how to get paid as a DM or getting paid as a DM, something like that, where it puts you through these locations uh, in I guess courses or something that um that is, you eventually will get paid as a dungeon master. Um, and, and there's other things like um, which isn't specifically you doing your work and getting published for your work but there is the uh um i forget what it's called where like you, you your character runs through uh the adventures that dnd publishes and like you uh you keep the same person throughout different dms and stuff um uh is it like adventures league or yeah adventures league there you go like yeah you're not technically it's not your work you're using somebody else's work but you are still as dungeon master getting that skeleton and shaping it to so you are still writing but it's yeah yeah that's another yeah, I, I know thing. some i know some people that are involved with that which is amazing it's fun that's another oh, yeah. way to uh to make mm-hmm. a little coin by doing your thing uh but uh, the my final little uh thought here as we're getting towards that time is mm-hmm. um the uh, a little bit of a uh, your audience um in writing because um doing something like what, what dickie did is which is having a game uh, the players come up with the adventure stuff. You write that. There is your novel, right? It, that's a yeah. beautiful idea. And uh, that uh, made me come up with this question of, like, knowing your audience of the exact same story of the novel versus the adventure that you're publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, because, like you guys have been saying, you go, you have this no, uh, this module, but the module is pretty bare bones, and you're building the world around that. Um, yeah. Once you are, if you are building your novel, you know, throw in that fluff, throw in those details, throw in the conflict, etc. But when you're writing for an adventure, like this is the dungeon, um, you don't, I believe, don't want to get bottled down in those details because it's not a story. It's, mm-hmm. it is the skeleton used for a dungeon master to, to come up with the rest of the, of the place. Yeah. If you have like a world building thing, like uh, Taldor as an example, like yes, you have the entire first a third of the book is the world building. The next section is the characters in it, and the last section is all the dungeons as an example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a little tidbit I wanted to throw out there into the yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, but uh, final thoughts. F- final thoughts on 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 this. Any questions from from chat that you guys want us to uh, discuss? Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, d- DMing and writing are the same exact thing because basically you're creating a world. It's just it's being executed differently. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the game DMing you're 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 creating something and then you're just going to go ahead and let the game play out itself, and then you're pretty much going to figure out okay. How can I go from here and how can I, you know, work it from here? Writing, and if you're writing from a game, I think the beauty of it, if you take it, like what I did with my kids, I took notes. I just mm-hmm. had character sheets and I just wrote in their history and everything that happened that day, I just added to them. And after about a month or so, or two months, I started realizing there's something here. I can do something with this. Yeah. So sometimes it happens by accident. You don't have to plan it. It just happens. Yeah. That's yeah, a, I know that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, not forcing it would be a a good good thing to take away from it. Exactly. 
Sorry. Yeah, I know for uh, no, it's okay. I know I know for me, um, DMing and writing is essentially as as uh, as Father said, it's it's one and the same. Uh, me uh, in in a kind of a funny way because when uh, when it comes to writing my uh, my story, like the the one that I'm currently publishing online on uh, Royal Road. Uh, what I've done to kind of help further along my my story and to help me kind of think about things and like how characters react is I do treat it like a solo uh, Dungeons and Dragons adventure. I actually do have stats for my characters that I have written out. I have rolled for them, and I'm just like I have like a, a list of things of like okay, so this is what I I believe they would do. So they're going to go into this town. Let's see what happens. Oh no, there's going to be a fight starting. What do I do? And if if I'm stuck on an idea that I'm not sure what will happen, I will actually roll dice for them just to see what happens. Exactly. I do the same thing because some of my characters are, they're, they were pre-rolled. And when I'm writing and I want to get to something adventure and I don't know what to do with it, Mm -hmm. I roll it out. And the the, the dice, like I said, the dice always direct us in the direction we're going to go. So, and believe it or not, it's really, it really helps me, especially if there's a combat scene. Yeah. So I actually roll initiative for them, and then I like play it out because it just it makes it so much easier to That's like cool. put the pacing for it in. Also, I have body parts that whenever they get hit or something like that, I can add that wherever they got hit. Oh, yeah, I love the do- I, I love the body part dice. Story. Yeah, that's cool. Oh man, yeah, I love our conversations. I always do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, all right, guys. Uh, I am just making sure that uh, yeah, that's that's. I think that's gonna do it for for uh, tonight. Okay. Um, I, uh, as always, I love poking all's brains and knowing what's what's happening. Um, our next podcast is gonna be on Halloween week. Uh, I, Ooh, uh, I we're gonna have the very broad topic of horror. Let's just talk about a horror. Oh and, man, uh, I have a, I have something for you then for that. I love I love horror. Um, I love, I love it. In a just, just a little tidbit that could be related to this as well. Um, but for horror, is uh, once you pick your genre, not necessarily theme, but your genre, make sure that um, if you're doing it for D and D, a two-hour movie of like, oh my god, my emotions, that was scary, is fine. A book, it's it's fine. But when it's every single episode of daunting horror, it uh, it could get really. You you get saturated real quick. Yes, yeah, for for like a long campaign for D and D, but that's that's a conversation we'll have last time. Um, but all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, listening to us uh, uh, speak on topics that we love. We would mm-hmm. be doing this without the microphone, so let's add a microphone. Let's do a show about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to uh, follow all of our uh, channels. The information is down below. Mm-hmm. Our bros projects for Alistair. Uh, our friends at Talent and Claw and make amazing products. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all our information, even our merch info is all down below. Um, if you're listening to this in the future on um, Spotify or Anchor, just go down below if it's on the information. If you're watching this or listening to it on YouTube, info is down below. Um, please don't forget to love one another. Be kind to one another. We'll see you next time. Adios, everybody. Bye. Peace out.